0: Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Hey, that's how I feel too. It's good to sing those songs this morning. Sounded really, really good. Hey, before we get started this morning, I wanted to uh, just ask you to consider something with me if you would, okay? I know we all hate these things. I have a fun one. I have a uh, Darth Vader mask because I feel like, I mean, he had the best mask ever. Anyway, uh, so, I know we hate these things, but if y'all help me out, just as we're getting to our seats and stuff, try to wear them if you can. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to walk around and check on you if you're not wearing one, but I just would appreciate it. We have had some people here recently that have gotten it uh, and are not here now, and some people that are choosing to stay home right now for these same reasons, okay? So just letting you be aware of what is happening all around you and just asking you, to please consider those around you, okay? All right, that's the PSA for the morning, and now let's get to the scripture. So, uh... I'm really excited about this this upside down Christmas thing, okay? And uh, the year zero, it was much like today, and everything sort of seems upside down. Now you might be noticing my upside down Christmas tree is missing. Uh, the band politely asked if I could get that off the stage, okay? Uh, plus, it was going to die upside down and make a giant mess, which meant I would have to clean that up. So we went ahead and moved it, uh, and it's now back in the alive room with the middle schoolers, you know? And it's. <laughs> It's looking great, so it's, you get it. It looks great. All right, but anyway, uh, but yeah, you can actually Google and look, and you will find upside-down real Christmas trees. Did anybody do that? Did anybody go look? You're shaking your head no, you're like, I'm not even partaking this nonsense. <laughs> no, like, you need to go look. Go on Amazon, go somewhere. You can buy one, and maybe next year you and your family decide to celebrate upside-down, you know? I don't know. I heard that ornaments look better or something, but the tree looks weird. But anyway, that's my take. But we're talking about an upside-down Christmas. We're talking about last week, we, we, we looked at how it looked like God was a giver who came with no gift, right? It's kind of weird to show up to a party without the gift if you're the giver. And yet, he did give us something, didn't he? He gave us his own life. He gave us his son. He gave us faith. He gave us grace. He gave us all that we needed, in fact. So he's an incredible giver. And this morning, I want to look at him as a king without a crown. Like, what kind of upside-down world does a king not have a crown? We're gonna take a look at that because he was born as the King of Kings, and I love this about him. Uh, everywhere God goes, He brings with Him His kingdom. Did you know that? I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been backstage at a concert and seen the band's green room. Have you ever? Have you ever had that experience? Uh, I got to have that experience a couple times, and I'm telling you, the green bowl of Skittles is real, y'all. Like. Like, they have some really weird requests, okay? And I've seen their writers, I've seen where they've written on there, like, I'm not playing unless, you know, my chair is facing north. And, I mean, they've got weird beliefs on, you know, don't want to ruin the show, okay? Okay, uh, you get the idea. There's preferences, right? Preferences for me to be here. Preferences for me being comfortable here. Uh, Well, I love this about God. He comes with all of his preferences with him. <laughs> he comes with an entourage with him. He comes with everything he desires with him in the kingdom. The kingdom came with him. <laughs> so when people were running into this king, even though he didn't have a crown, they were experiencing his kingdom. Right? He's raising people from the dead. He's healing people. He's showing love. He's, he's showing these cords of kindness that we'll look at later. He's, he's drawing people to him that's what the kingdom does. The kingdom is irresistible. Like when you see love, you understand love never fails. It never fails for good reason because God is love. So this is, this is what we're looking at this morning. A king who seemingly has no crown. What kind of upside down crazy is this? Let's take a look. All right, Matthew chapter 2. You can turn there. We'll, we'll spend a little time there this morning as we look at this Christmas story. And you guys know this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Do you know how weird that is? That's weird, okay? This was something prophesied, something excitable, like the king has been born. People traveled, I mean, for how long to come see this that aren't even a part of this story, right? They come from a different land. These wise men are coming to seek out, like, hey, y'all, y'all must know about this. Like, we're kind of coming into it late, but, but there's a star that we've been following, and, and there's a king that's been born. Like, I don't know, you'd think they'd be excited. And yet, King Herod was full of fear, and in fact, all of Jerusalem was afraid, going, what on the world is this? See, here's the thing, is that when we read Scripture, when we go into Scripture, just like they did, you're going to see the scribes and, and, and the chief priests and all these guys are going to go and, and start thumbing through and finding, where, where does it say this king is going to be born? You and I can do the same things, and we can read things through a lens that's very human, very earthly, We can see things that way. In fact, there are many people that are still awaiting for a Messiah to come based on the same exact scriptures. And yet, if you read things through Jesus, who he looked at last week, he came for one reason. He came to show you what God the Father looks like because if you see him, love never fails, and he'll get you every single time. So God wants you to see, Jesus wants you to see just how loving God really is. So let's read these, let's read this This word that came through Micah. And let's read it through the lens that we know. Micah 5, 2 through 4. But you, Bethlehem, who are small amongst the clans of Judah, out of you will come forth for me one to be ruler over Israel, one whose origins are of old from the days of eternity. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers will return to the children of Israel. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God, and they will dwell securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. Wow, what a word. If you were sitting there and these magi are showing up, you should be like, I know, man, this is going to be awesome. He's going to shepherd us in the strength of his father. He's going he's to show us really what goodness looks like. And yet everybody's freaking out and they're afraid. They're scared. And I, and I love the last part of that. How, how is it that you and I can rest securely in his love? How is it that we can rest securely in our salvation? How do we know it can never be taken from us? You can never lose it. It's right there at the very end. We will live off of his greatness. We, we dwell securely because of his greatness. Any day where you don't feel secure, any day you feel insecure, any day you feel like if I don't go fight my battles, nobody else will. Can I tell you that you exist in His security, <laughs> and you exist because of His greatness, and that that greatness is holding on to you? But out of this smallest of places, Bethlehem—like what? Who you gonna pick to be born there? Why not Hollywood or New York or somewhere where fancy? Bethlehem. And out of the smallest places, God shows us how greatness really works. It comes out of weakness. It comes out of places that don't make any sense. Like, nothing good should come of Nazareth, one person once said. And here comes greatness. Here comes God from that place. So instead of excitement, Herod feels fear. And he says, go find this, this baby so I can worship him. You know, We all know what that meant. And here is this king without a crown causing more fear in a king who had a crown. Matthew 2, 9 through 11 continues. He says, After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great delight. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I love this. They come to the king. He's freaking out. He's like, wait a minute, what's this great thing that's happening? I'm scared of it. And so they just say, okay, thank you very much. And they kind of politely walk out and they look outside, and there's God being faithful. There's the star. Okay, man failed once again, but Lord, here you go. You'll lead us there. And they go all the way to the place where the baby is, you know, one to two years old at this point. He's not in the manger like we typically see. But, but he, they, they come and they offer him these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You probably know this, but gold symbolizes he's a king. And it's also very, very handy when you're a mom who needs some diapers, you know. Gold comes in real handy. But it meant that he was a king, right? You are royalty. He gets the frankincense, which he's going to be a high priest. He's going to offer up himself, in fact, as an ultimate sacrifice. And myrrh, of course, being used in the embalming process, it symbolized that he was going to die for us. All of these incredible gifts you could see, of course, through the human lens, or you can see them through the way that God, I mean, he knew all of these things. And he's showing us how good he is, even through gifts given by strangers who weren't even a part of the story. God's pulling everybody in, if you haven't noticed. In this Christmas story, what you see is that God's pulling in people from over there. He's pulling in people from over there. He's bringing in all of these people, shepherds, who maybe didn't feel they had any value. And God is saying, let me show you how much I value you. So God gives this dream to the Magi after this. He goes, don't go back to Herod, y'all. Herod, Herod's not on board. And so they run, they go a different way. And in the same way, Joseph gets an angel who says, go to Egypt. Don't, don't, don't go, don't stay here. So Matthew 2, 14 says, he got up. He took the child and his mother by night and withdrew to Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Now look at this. This fulfilled what the Lord has spoken through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. You see how even when man tries to mess up God's plan, when man tries to, to, to destroy all of it, God's before all of it. I don't know what you're going through right now or what you're facing. God is before that as much as he was before this. <laughs> He's walking with you in ways that you don't even understand and you can't understand because it's so far beyond our ability to understand. <laughs> He had gone beforehand and he had done so many great things. Look at what Hosea would would say. Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Now listen, when we read this, you can pull a lot of different stuff from the scripture here. But what I want you to see is how God has always loved us even when his own people failed. But the more I called Israel, the farther they departed from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to carved images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them in my arms, but they never realized that it was I who healed them. Again, he's referencing real people, real tribes, real situations, and yet there's a bigger picture he's showing us in this. I took them in my arms. He he carried us as a dad and didn't even know that was us. I, I led them with cords of kindness, with ropes of love, I lifted the yoke from their necks and bent down to feed them. Will they not return to the land of Egypt and be ruled by Assyria because they refuse to repent? <laughs> He's loving. You hear him in all of that. I mean, as a dad, those of you who have been there and maybe you've had a wayward son or daughter or something, and you just this is you, you're saying, "I, I, I just wish you'd come home. This is is a dad crying out over his children saying, Don't you realize in all those moments where you hated me and you and you pushed me away, don't you realize I didn't come to hurt you, I came to help you? The heart of the Father is so evident in this, and I love it. He leads all of us, by the way, with kindness. He draws us with loving kindness, Scripture says. He's never changed. He's the same God then as he is now and as he will be forever. He's always been this way. I love it. He takes the load off of our necks and he gets down on his knees and he feeds us. You know, if you've ever bore a heavy burden for a very long time, it feels like you are down on the ground. And I love that God gets down on his knees and says, here, let me give you what you need because that's how I care about you. Yes, but Javen, you may say, isn't God a big wrathful God? Well, let's read this together in verse 9. I will not execute the full fury of my anger. I will not turn back to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you, and I will not come in wrath. I don't know what your earthly father was like. I don't know what your earthly situations were like. God is not coming to you in anger. He never will. In fact, the Holy One is among you. He has no need to do that because he is present, fixing and making all things new. Like, this is who he is. So I'm I'm not going to come at you in wrath. I'm going to come to you on my knees to feed you is what he's saying. They will walk after the Lord. Now, catch this. I love this image of the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt and doves like the land of Assyria. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim and Israel are both deceitful, but Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. Oh, a prophetic word that Jesus is coming. That there is this Holy One that is coming, that God does not need to pour out all of His wrath because the Holy One is coming who's producing peace for the world. He's coming. Oh, the rest of you tribes, you guys have all messed up, but, but, but you know what? There's something happening. There's a string happening here in Judah that you guys missed. Judah wasn't considered the big one. It wasn't considered the most important one. In fact, Bethlehem, all of this stuff, weakness is where God thrives. <laughs> what we perceive as weakness in, in that way. I'm not angry, God says. I am a lion of the tribe of Judah. I I love that even as the lion roars, where does does God's children come from? He comes from lands that should be filled with enemies. How many of our enemies does God just love so much that he's going to save them despite us, (laughs) despite our actions and how we portray him to others? No, God loves saving even his enemies. He says to bless them. To love them. Why? Because this is how he really is. He's not like you and me. And he made that point very clear. So what is this lion of the tribe of Judah? Was this, was this just a name given to Judah you know, by his dad as a little nickname? Well, no, of course not. Look at Well, Genesis, I'll just read this to you in 49.9 if you'd like to read it yourself. He, he says to his son, he says, Judah is a lion's cub and a lion. Much like I'd have my boy on my knee maybe and I'd be sharing something with him where I would see something in him and maybe call that out in him. I love that in this moment what's actually being called out is is in this this bloodline. Jesus, the lion, when it eventually gets to him, oh, you're going to know the lion is here because he is the lion of your tribe, son. (laughs) He's a lion that is coming that the world has never seen. And when he roars, even in the enemy's camps, people come out to meet him because love never fails love conquers all as the saying goes John would get a picture of this in revelation he would be on the on the end of the story where in genesis the story begins and you see in revelation John says this in this moment where he's hearing holy 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 is the lord god the almighty who was and who is and is to come and in revelation 4 Verse 9, he says, And when the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created i don't know about you but when i was a kid i used to read a lot of this and go that sounds awful like these guys are literally sitting there all day long and every single time somebody says that like chick-fil-a thank you very much our pleasure you know and like every once in a while you feel bad about saying thank you because the person had to say our pleasure so many times like i look at these guys and i'm like "Ah." for all of eternity like okay for a day that sounds cool but like all of eternity like you're just going to keep casting your crown and like that Well, I was a kid then you know and and then as you grow up you begin to experience God a little bit and you start to understand the dynamic of the relationship and you start going oh wow (laughs) these guys are responding to seeing the greatness of love I'm telling you they're not missing anything they are loving this opportunity but what's important about what's happening here is there's only 24 of these guys 24 I mean, imagine the privilege. Imagine how you would feel out of, I don't know, a gazillion people. You're of 24. (laughs) Ooh, that's pretty neat. Now, this word crown, let's take a look at this because it's important. It means this. Uh, It comes from the word Stefanos. It's an Italian restaurant, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) And it means that which surrounds. Okay? It means that which surrounds. Yes, it means a physical crown. Yes. But... More importantly, it talks to the glory and the honor and the power that each of us sort of wear or surrounds us. Boy on earth, that might look one way. But if you're one of 24 people, you've got some glory and some honor given to you. And I love that at the very mention of how good God is, they willingly take all of that and cast it before him saying, oh, yeah, we feel pretty awesome, but not as awesome as the one who created all things, who willed all things, who would put you here, not because of your parents, but because he wanted you here. Oh, yeah, whatever, whatever I got, whatever honor and power and thing, oh, yeah, here you go. And it's the best day ever for those guys. They love it. They love this experience in the same way that you and I love experiencing God. When you hear his roar, you don't run from him, do you? When you hear his roar, as Bill Snell once said, you run to him. Right? You run to God because this is what's in your heart, and you realize that love never fails. It's the greatest thing ever. So I want to I draw your attention to three different crowns, in fact, he actually did receive. And I want you to look at how, how they increasingly get better and better. The first crown that this lion received, the lion who I call the conqueror, He first came and he ran a race on earth where he was first born in a manger, but we all know where it really ended. It ended with him becoming the king of the Jews. Now maybe you you don't remember that part. Let's read it together in Matthew 27. After twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and they put a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him saying, Hail, king of the Jews. You know, he took that crown of thorns, of shame, of things that you and I, I mean, you you can't look at this moment and not feel sobered up and watching it saying, how is it possible that the King of kings and the Lord of lords would take a crown of thorns willingly, lovingly, and wear it with honor and glory? He did this because the Bible says he took great privilege in this, great joy in wearing a crown that was meant for you and me. A crown based on our glory and our power and our honor, and really a dishonor is what that really was. He went ahead and put that on because he had a better crown in mind and he saw something coming that was going to be great. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, have this attitude in yourself which he had, even though he existed in the form of God, did not reg- regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, under the earth, everywhere. And that to every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to what? The glory of God the Father. The glory of God the Father. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is written upon him. <laughs> He was never insecure wearing that crown of thorns because he knew who he was, and he knew he was not a king that was without a crown, even if we thought that. He was willingly taking on crowns to show us. I'm going to show you what my crown really looks like, so let me take yours on first. But one was coming because the lion, or the conqueror, received a crown of glory as the king of kings. Listen to this in Revelation 6:2. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and the one who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Look, I don't know if you believe in how powerful love really is. But when Jesus looks at you and says that you are going to be more than a conqueror, it's because love truly does never fail. It truly conquers everything. Love, the way God loves, agape love, going after somebody else's need over your own. Not, not doing the things that are like man, but doing the things that are like him. Did you know that you can, now that you are a believer, forgive the way he forgives? Create peace the way he creates peace. Love people the way he loves people. It's now possible, even if you don't think it is. Because of who he really is, he is this king of kings. So we humble ourselves and see it. And what we see is that his glory and his honor and his power is what's surrounding us. He's protecting us, and there's a reason, because there's one more crown that I want to draw your attention to, and this is my favorite one. The ultimate picture to me of what crown of glory rests on him comes from Proverbs 12.4 that says this, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. The lion, the conqueror, he made you and me his crown. (laughs) If you can picture this. God loved you so much that what he wants to surround himself with is his bride, who is an excellent crown of his. He shows us off in all of the ages to come to demonstrate just what love can do. Look, I know you probably feel like you're pretty lovable, don't you? Y'all are real quiet? Okay, some nervous laughter. (laughs) You're really not. You're just like me, you know? We're lovable to the ones that will love us. (laughs) But God loves everyone. He loves those who hate him. He loves those who resist him. He loves those who refuse his help. In fact, he still comes over and tries to take the load off of you. He still comes over and wraps his glory and his honor and his power around you because he loves you as a dad and a really, really good one. He wanted a bride so that we would be his crown. I want to read this to you, it won't be on the screens, just just take in these words, it's from Isaiah. I want you to hear these words through the lens of Jesus, what we now understand everything actually exists as. (laughs) Not as the words maybe the Israelites would have read and taken from. Isaiah 62, one through four says this. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory, and you will be called a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. Hear that personally this morning. God is calling you by a new name. He's calling you by a name that he has given you. You will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you forsaken, nor to your land that any will ever be said desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married." The Lord delights in you. He sees you as a beautiful crown upon his head, something that he wants to demonstrate throughout all of eternity. And that might cause you to say, that's ridiculous. It's not about us. It's about him or whatever. And that's the mind-blowing part is that's how much he loves you. He's not insecure. (laughs) He knows he's a king with a big old crown. And that crown is us. That crown is for us to be a part of. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, 4-7, God being rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. He raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he would show off the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus he placed you his masterpiece as the crowning achievement of all that he did so that everyone in the ages to come wouldn't see us and go wow aren't they awesome they would look at us and say wow look how gracious God is look how glorious God is look at his honor look at his power look at what love was willing to do and that story, he's going to tell forever. Because he's a king that is wearing a crown of grace. And he's wearing a crown that includes all of us. He wants us to share in his glory. Father, you are so good. You are so faithful. Lord, even when we mess it up, even when... We make a mess. You are faithful. Lord, even when we get preoccupied with our power and our glory and our honor, you still come to us and lift that burden off of our necks and feed us. Even when we push you away and make Christmas about anything but you, You come to us and dance over us. You put a song in our hearts and you roar so we come. Lord, I pray for anybody who's listening to this message this morning and feels far from you or feels that they've done something to cause you not to love them in this way. I pray this morning as we sing this song together that they would hear your roar and come home. In Jesus name